This is the Rebel Author Podcast, where we talk about books, business, and occasionally bad words. Hello, Rebels, and welcome to a Rebel Author Takeover. My name is Daniel Wilcox, and welcome to episode 32 of the Rebel Author Podcast. Today marks the first in a series of bonus podcast episodes which celebrate the launch of Sasha Black's new book, The Anatomy of Prose, which comes out in just two days' time. So you should probably go pre-order it if you haven't already. Because this is a special episode, we're going to forego the usual intro this week and get stuck straight into the juicy stuff. So without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest, the woman with a thousand horns and just a single tail, your very own Sasha Penelope Black. Hey, <laughs> Sasha. Hello. Thank you so much for welcoming me in such a wonderful way to my very own podcast. I know, it's strange. And just for clarification, your middle name's not Penelope, is it? Just it, in case it is people not. Start throwing it out to you. <laughs> it's not, no. Sasha Black doesn't have a middle name. My, my real name has a middle name, but um, that's going to stay private for now. I was going to say, you're not going to do it on a podcast, are you? No, I am not. <laughs> Amazing. So, in this takeover, since the entire theme of your brand new book is all about those 12 steps of sensational sentences, we're going to be talking all about how we can how each how we each improve our writing and the kinds of resources we as authors utilize. So Sasha, how do you improve your writing? So I I do talk about this in uh, the book because I'm biased and I think my method is pretty good if a little um, obsessive and overkill but hey I think it works so what I do is I make a point of well I made a point of training myself to read more consciously so before I started writing I very much would always lose myself in a book I wouldn't necessarily pay attention to the intricacies of what was being said but I would fall in love with the characters in the story and you know escapism essentially now I still do that to some extent and certainly with some books more than others but I I also make a point of allowing or enabling part of my brain to remain conscious whilst I'm reading rather than falling completely into the subconscious uh, escapism that I love. And what I do is I keep half an eye out for anything that stands out. So that could be a great line of dialogue. It could be a metaphor that just sparkles on the page. It could be a line of characterization that makes me wish I'd uh, written it. It could be a juxtaposition or a piece of foreshadowing, or it could equally be something that is bad and makes me cringe. And when I find these things, what I do is, I know it's sacrilege, nobody sent me angry emails, but I do. I'm about to shut up. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm so sorry. I mark it very lightly in pencil and I put a sticky tab in there. Then when I get, when I finish the book, I go back over my um, underlinings and I, uh, I used to do this much more rigorously. I used to write them all up and then I would uh, move them around and put them into patterns. So all the dialogue together, all the characterization together so on and so forth. I do this a bit more subconsciously now, but in, in the reviewing process. Um, and what I would do is then 
what typically happens is an author tends to be excellent at one thing. Uh, sometimes they're excellent at multiple things, but usually I've, I've lent towards underlining one particular thing. So it could be I've underlined mostly dialogue or I've underlined mostly description, so on and so forth. And then once I found that pattern or that thing that sticks out, I then dissect it at a forensic level. And I go down and look at how has the author created rhythm? What literary techniques have they, have they used? Do they favor similes or do they favor juxtapositions? How, how are they using grammar to change characterization? How are they using verbs? Are they using strong verbs or weak verbs? And so I, I pull out all of these patterns from what the authors are doing and then it enables me to then not copy what they have done but actually implement the techniques that they've used into my own prose so it is it is a bit excessive I know but I it's just how I learn best I like to deconstruct things and god knows why I wasn't an engineer or a scientist because obviously <laughs> that seems to be more of a job for that but yeah so that is that is how I developed my craft different to how I developed a business, but that is how I developed my craft. How about you? Um, mine is a, mostly a lot of reading. I think the, the conscious reading side is something you definitely develop over time, particularly when you start writing. Um, and even now I'll find that as I'm reading, I will easily get swept away in certain pages. And then like you, I'll then go back and go, okay, clearly something that gripped me. What was it about that particular passage that, that grabbed me? Um, I don't go to the level of underlining and writing things down, although when it comes to reading on a Kindle, I will often highlight phrases that I might come back to or particular things that um, I liked that, that spoke to me. And I'll, I like to pick out particular, um, I guess, patterns of phrases that people use. And like you say, everyone has their own signature within their writing, their own thing that they're good at. Um, and I just think that the more widely you read, the more you pick up on people's different intricacies. Um, mostly I read, I read fairly widely. I read, I write horror, but I read across multiple different genres. Um, one thing I do particularly like looking at something that you nodded at as well is finding writers or finding examples of writing that maybe isn't up to the standard that you like, because then you can look at that and go, why, why isn't that speaking to me? Why isn't that working? And you can, you can dissect that further and say, okay, it's because they're doing X, Y, they're not giving enough of this. Um, and I think things like that are really, really helpful as well. And one of the biggest things to remember is at, at the top of all that is that you're a reader too. So when it comes to writing, uh, a lot of what I do to try and improve it is read the things that I like. And particularly if I'm about to get into a writing session, I'll often sit and read a book that I know that I've loved to almost <laughs> use osmosis to absorb some of that style a little bit and get me into the right mind frame to then start writing. Because I find that I'm quite, I'm a bit of a chameleon when it comes to um, different writing, different styles. So if I've read a book that is either nonfiction or is completely out of my genre, some of that will automatically blend into the next thing that I write. So I try to be very, very deliberate in what I write or what I read before I write. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting because lots of people do the opposite and they try to avoid reading things that are in their genre. And it's so funny, but I don't think I realized until you literally just said it that I actually do the same as you. So before I, so I have collected a metric shitload of books on death or with death as a character or with, um, uh, you know, I've been listening to audiobooks on working in a crematorium and 
and so all of these things are because I'm going to write a book called The Scent of Death. Now, I haven't done enough reading, which is why I know I'm possibly not quite ready to write the book yet. But funnily enough, that is exactly what I do. And then, um, you know, I've also got a whole section of books about magicians because I know that in the future I'm going to be writing a book about magicians and yes that's really interesting whereas a lot of people do the opposite they actually shy away from reading um in their genre when they're writing and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer on that I just think it's about preference but yeah yeah I think it depends on what you're trying to get out of your writing at the end of the day as well because if you're worried about pigeonholing yourself in a certain way you want to read widely um Mm. I I said to you offline a, a couple of days ago I'm I'm at a point where I want to start looking into what it takes to win a Bram Stoker award. So I'm reading Bram Stoker award winners to see if there's a commonality there between what they're doing and how they how they get to the point where they're winning those awards. Um, are there any particular mistakes that you avoid as a writer? Um, so I think there are lots of, so I think there aren't any rules for a start. I think a really good example <laughs> of no rules is Solar Bones by Mike McCormack, I think it is. And his book is 272 pages and it's one sentence. The whole book is one sentence. Nice. And so there are no rules. Um, but I do think there are lots of things that writers do that make that 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 ultimately causes their prose and their story to not be told in the way that they want it to be told so for example using a weak verb creates a general a general gen i can't see the word say it makes it vague <laughs> <laughs> it's easy generality. for me to, yes a generality thank you and what that means is you as the author haven't necessarily conveyed the specific image from your head into the reader's head. So there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes we need to use generally vague and weak, uh, weaker verbs, but typically there are many instances of those kinds of things that lead your prose to not be conveying the story that you really want to convey. So other things include, I mean, well, there's the obvious ones like overusing adverbs and putting cliches into your work. Everybody knows about those things like filtering. It's one of the easiest, quickest fixes. And I love throwing this tip out because it literally blew. I remember when I learned about filtering, I was like, oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) But essentially filtering removes the reader one step from your character. So typically you want to create an experience for your reader that is akin to a first person play a video game I always like to I was doing this I talked about this on the live the other day but uh, I remember playing Doom and that's always how I like to um, explain this so Doom was a video game where all you could see you're probably too young for this but all you could see I remember Doom okay only just so (laughs) I bet anyway um, so you could see the gun um, and the hand sticking up, but that was it. You couldn't see the person because you were looking through their eyes. So what you saw was what this character saw. And that's what your fiction should be doing, even if you write in the third person. And so by filtering, you're actually pulling the reader out of the, your protagonist's head and you're putting them next to them. So they will watch your character doing stuff instead of doing stuff themselves. So an example would be, uh, I heard the leaves rustle. The saying I heard 
is how you're removing the characters. So instead you would just say the leaves rustled and that immediately makes it more, well, immediate. It makes it more mm. intimate and uh, yeah, the, the prose a bit slicker. So, I mean, this is a hard one to convey in audio, I suppose. Uh, you'll, also, you'll find loads of that. If you, all you have to do is actually do control and F or whatever, whatever yeah. it is on your keyboard and you look yeah. for, I heard, I saw, I yeah. felt... Exactly. all those words and I know I got pulled up on this a couple of years ago and it's just constantly and I I know that in my first drafts I I leave them in I just I splatter my words but it's always in the second draft that I deliberately go back and fix all those different things because even when you're consciously trying to ignore them they're still there yeah <laughs> you always miss them yeah yeah you do and then um last one because I mean I could talk about the, these kinds of things all night but um the you should write a book on it <laughs> but um, sh- um <laughs> it, I would say the sly secret repetition that we forget so everybody when we talk about repetition typically people think about crutch words so the words that are repeated but repetition is insidious and it comes in a just a plethora of different forms from having two characters that essentially end up uh having the same what's the word having the same uh function so you could have two mentors you could have two allies for example um characters with similar personality traits you can have characters with similar sounding names like nancy and natalie for example the readers um will get confused if your names are too similar uh, what else you could uh, duplicate words in different types of description so for example uh, the buzz of a bee and the buzz of your mobile phone whilst those are completely valid different types of descriptions a reader will subconsciously pick up the repetition um what else oh a really good one is your opening and closing of your chapters and scenes so because you have space between the opening and closing of your chapters and scenes you might not realize that you've actually repeated so by repetition i mean you could be opening four scenes back to back with dialogue or you could be closing four scenes with a description or you could be opening perhaps two scenes, then not, then another two scenes with the time of day description. And whilst the chapter in itself won't, won't be a problem, when you start to get that repetition over the course of your book, it becomes boring and repetitive. So checking things like your opening and closing once your book is finished, just to make sure you don't have those kinds of repetitions um, as well. And oh my God, there is just a million other different types of repetition, but it's all in the book. So go pre-order it. <laughs> Yeah, the coffee. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations for books on craft? Yes, well, obviously mine. Um, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that probably goes without saying, but I have a book on villains, 13 Steps to Evil, How to Craft Superbad Villains. And it's accompanying workbook and 10 Steps to Hero, How to Craft a Kick-Ass Protagonist. And also it's accompanying um, workbook. And then obviously the Anatomy of Prose. Now, funny story, I'm going to confess to a, a, a faux pas this week. I thought... <laughs> This is so humiliating. I thought <laughs> 13 Steps to Evil was called this. I thought it was called 13 Steps to Evil, How to Craft a Super Bad Villain. It's not. It's called 13 Steps to Evil, How to Craft Super Bad Villains. So I, so the 10 Steps to Hero, How to Craft a Kick-Ass Protagonist, 
actually doesn't match the title anymore. So uh, <laughs> I was like, oh no. Anyway, it's really minor and pathetic, but hey, we play with words, so it meant something to me. And I was like, oh no. Anyway, I'm yes, sure it so it, it did. So I'm going to recommend four. And I'm going to recommend two on craft and two not on craft. So the first one is a book that didn't necessarily tell me anything new, but it told me new things in a different way. And that is uh, The War of Art. I think it's The War. Oh, no, The War on yes. Art. The War on Art. The War, War of Art. Yeah. Anyway, by Stephen Pressfield. And um, again, it's completely about mindset. Doesn't necessarily um, tell you anything new, but I adored the way he described it. And it brought the resistance with a capital R um, into my life and I gave it a name and yeah so that is one that I really really love that's a huge one for me I read that at least twice a year do you mm-hmm. oh, I might have to give it another read I think I undo another read um, it just gives you a good kick up the ass yeah and I need that at the moment so I, think <laughs> I am going to give it a good read uh what else uh emotion uh, so the emotional craft of fiction by Donald Mass is just one of the best craft books I've ever read. It really changed my craft in terms of layering and getting depth in emotion. And so, yeah, I highly, highly recommend that one. Um, the Emotion Thesaurus as well, because how can I not? It, it is fantastic. I think every author ought to have one of one, at least the Emotion Thesaurus, if not the whole collection. And those are by Angela Ackerman and Becca Puglisi. And honestly, Andrew is just one of my favourite people. She is such a wonderful human. Becca too, but I, I have more contact with Angela. Um, <laughs> and I just, I adore both of them. So yeah, go and support them. And the last one is one that is for the business. And that is Business for Authors by Joanna Penn. Joanna is one of these amazing mentors to anybody who takes the time to listen to her podcast, read her books uh, on her website. And her nonfiction stuff is just phenomenal. Like I have learned so much from her nonfiction books. I think I, I think I probably have all of them or if not all of them, then almost all of them. Um, yes. And business for authors really gave me a grounding in how to treat this like a business and therefore make money. So, um, yes. What about you? Do you have some recommendations? Yeah, I've got a few. I've got um, the the typical one that everyone, I think, thinks of at some point is Stephen King's on writing. Um, oh, it's a bit of a washed out example. Interesting. It's fantastic. Uh, have, you, have you read it? I yeah. have. I didn't... Um, I was going to say, I was surprised if you hadn't. <laughs> yeah, but funnily enough, I only read it, was it last year or the year before? I've read it recently anyway, and... I I liked the memoir section more than I did the yes. writing tips, funnily enough. I felt the writing tips were very so-so. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the first year that I decided I was going to be an author. I ended up and getting two copies by accident for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've got two copies of that. Um, Blake Snyder's Save the Cat. Um, I, I know there's a version out there for writers now. The version that I read was the one for filmmakers, but mm-hmm. it had some fantastic advice about types of story um, and how you can structure those. Um, I've got 13 Steps to Evil, because that was a very good read for someone <laughs> who writes horror and villains. Um, and then I also went for War of Art and uh, one on mindset as well, which kind of ties into writing is James Clear's Atomic Habits, which okay, is just yeah. 
a fantastic book about getting your systems in place, getting your processes down, and you can easily convert that into getting the words on the page and, and making the habit of writing happen, um, which is good. I listened to the audiobook of that. I thought that was really good as well. Although I don't he's, think a good, I then... he's a good narrator as well. Yeah, he was. He was. So the only one I haven't read is uh, Save the Cat, although I'm about 40 pages into it. And then I just, I don't know what happened, but it got put down. So <laughs> I will go and pick it back up. And that, and I've also got the Save the Cat Writes a Novel one as well, which I want to read. Mm. Um, yeah, but it was. There is a, another one as well, which I've been hearing a lot of people talk about. I've not read this personally, which is Chuck Palahniuk's Consider This. So the guy who wrote Fight Club has got a writing advice book slash memoir, I believe, um, which I'm going to put on my list and check out at some point soon. Which I am currently looking on my shelves for because I've brought it recently. Ah, so <laughs> we can buddy read it. We need to buddy yeah. read it. Sounds like fun. It's here somewhere. Oh, I don't know. I'll find it. Later. <laughs> Do you have any course recommendations for people who might want to improve their writing or improve their business acumen? Yeah, so Joanna Penn has some good courses. Um, I recently took her course on how to create courses, um, but she also has courses on co-authoring. She has courses on writing nonfiction, how to write a novel, um, and some other stuff. Which I think are also productivity. Um, I really, I, I just, I, I love her. I think she's a fantastic mentor. So I always recommend her stuff. Um, I have also done. Um, Mark Dawson's courses. So these are more on the business side. They're incredibly comprehensive. Um, and so, yes, I always recommend those. I really, really liked them. Um, also DIY MFA, Gabriella Pereira. She's fantastic. I loved her book and her course. And what else? Um, so this is this is not a course I recommend because I haven't taken it, but a course that I want to take is Becca Symes. That is a course I really want to take. Um, uh, yeah, I'm really really interested in in taking her um, course just because when I interviewed her, she blew my mind. Um, but yeah, so those are the courses I've done, and th there is actually one other course that I want to do, which is by um, Dean Wesley Smith, yes. and it's on uh, depth in writing i really want to take his course on depth um but i just i can't add any more on my plate right now but what mm -hmm. about you have you done any courses or uh i've done an embarrassingly small amount of courses uh the the main one that I, the main one that i'm on at the minute is uh mark dawson's ads for authors i have run a couple of writing short horror stories courses um mm -hmm. so you can you can find these online because uh, there's a few that a few writer friends that i know dive into in which you pay, it's quite a small fee, and then for a week, you can actually jump into specific Facebook groups where a writer will lead you through their process on how to do something over however many days. Mm -hmm. um, the one that me and Luke Condor, who's one of my writing partners, um, ran, I think I've done twice now, he's done it three times, was basically, it was about a £40 fee, and then for the seven days, it's me and him in that group with you, guiding you every day, you have a video, you have a task, and what we promise in that course is by the end of, this isn't an advert for me, by the way, because we're not running another one for a little while. <laughs> I've just realized how this sounds. Um, but what that looks like is over that course of that days, we, we sort of hold your hand, we answer any questions, everyone shares the writing they're doing along the way, shares ideas. And then by the end of that course, um, I think probably about 80 or 90% of people have written a short story that they, if they want to, can then take out and put that to um, publishers and magazines and stuff. So there are those mm -hmm. kinds of, yeah, yeah they're, they're fun to run. And um I think they can be quite intimate as well because sometimes if you're doing the generic online courses, you lose that that intimacy with someone mm. else along the way. Um, but they're, they're all over the place. So just find one that works for you. Um, there are people that do try and 
con you for very very little work but if you look right you can you can find a decent one um, but one place I do want to do more of, and I know that we've spoken about this, is uh, the master classes, because I know there are a few on there that I want to do, like Neil Gaiman and R.L. Stein, um, mm-hmm. and other big big name writers are, are doing courses and things on there, so they're worth checking out. Yeah, yeah, um, I did, did the um, James Patterson one, um, which was good, but um, I, I think I was at the wrong point in my mm. writing career to have watched it. It makes I think a I difference. It does. I think I should have watched it slightly earlier than I was. Um, and I suppose that is my fear with uh, some of the masterclasses is that I do wonder if they're going to be too basic. Yeah, it, that, That's the thing. You've got to find the ones that are aimed towards the people who are at the point that you are. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's trial and error. Uh, how, how do you go about learning and improving your business? Um, that is a good question. So... I think the biggest way is I, well, it's changed over the years. So I spend, a, I still spend a lot of time listening to podcasts. I do. Um, yeah. Like I think podcasts are so immediate and current and people are so generous with what they share. And I think that you can learn a lot about how other people are running their businesses. And because of that, you can take the elements that you like and shape them into what you want to do. Um, so I, I mean, obviously Joanna Penns, um, you've got Marks as well. Another one that I really am enjoying at the moment is the six figure authors. Um, there is a lot to con- that they talk about a lot of stuff in each one of theirs and you know they admit it admittedly say that it is an advanced podcast and that that is good because I think there's a hole in the market for that there isn't many podcasts aiming at um, the advanced level so they sometimes require a second listen also mostly because I listen at two speed um, yes but yeah <laughs> um, so yeah I do spend a lot of time listening to audio and and not just audio in the industry so I listen to things like uh, Pat Flynn who is um smart passive income unemployable which now has a different name seven figure small um so i listen to choose fi podcast um so i'm listening to i i listen to podcasts in and around business generally um marketing generally um and i also read a considerable amount of nonfiction. so i would say the amount that i read over the course of the year is almost an exact split 50 50 i read 50 percent non-fiction 50 percent fiction which is probably a surprise to people i suspect most people think that writers read just fiction um or, or more predominantly fiction but i don't i definitely read 50 50 and my reading is across the board so i i i am fascinated by other business well other businesses so in other industries and how and what models they're using and what systems they're using and what processes they're using and and how they're creating passive income and that and that kind of stuff so I definitely read a lot I um what else do I do I also go to conferences now I do feel like I've reached the point with 
author conferences where I'm not necessarily gaining any more from the knowledge and from the actual sessions. But up until this point, I definitely gained an awful lot from going to the conferences. And still now I gain a lot from meeting lovely people like you. Um, hey. Although, yeah, <laughs> although we sort of barely met. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I can't think, what else do I do? I mean, I do take courses and we've both said we've um, Mark Dawson's. The other thing I really like is the Hot Sheet by Jane Friedman. Um, and that is a bi-weekly paid newsletter, but it's not an awful lot of money, maybe like 60 or $70 a year. And she basically summarizes all of the most current industry news. So she will, every time there's a merger or if there's breaking news about Apple have just released a new whatever, whatever, or there's a, you know, a new system, process, whatever. It, she has so much information in them. Um, and they're, and they're, yeah, they're, they try to be impartial too. So I really, really like uh, the hot sheet. Um, yeah. What about you? Cause I've prattled on for long enough. Well, I mean, this is a takeover. It's all about you. <laughs> but I mean, my, to be fair, most of mine, most of mine are very similar. I'm, I'm heavily into podcasts. I think like you say, it's a fantastic way to digest information and there's a lot on there. And while I've got a few that are writing focused, I have a few, probably about 50, 50 split between those that are writing and those which are um, business, entrepreneurship. Um, oh, recommend. Uh, things like the impact theory with Tom Billu. Things like uh, the Tim Ferriss show. Absolutely oh, love okay. that. Yeah. 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 You know, my, my love for Tim. Yeah. Um, You're a proper fan boy. <laughs> <laughs> I am. But uh, yeah, just, just things along those lines where they, they bring in A-listers, um, people that are just smashing it in whatever field they're in, because I, I'm fascinated by the crossover that comes between the different fields and what you can learn in terms of making the business happen. Like, like you say, you are um, because it's, if you blink yourself by just focusing on just your profession, just your, your part of the spectrum, you are missing so much other knowledge that could be useful for helping you stand out in your field. And while that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're going to be the shining star that rockets off into and, and just above everyone else. There's, I mean, the reason that, you know, taxi companies are suffering is because Uber came out of nowhere because they, they thought about things differently. It's the same with restaurants and, and delivery services and everything else. It happens because people focus too much on one thing and don't listen to the rest of what's going on. So mm. I think even if you're not a person who's going to, use every tidbit or, or nugget of information that you find it's very very useful to keep that that your ears open and to make sure you're absorbing other information um something that i've i've been looking into a little bit but um i'm not sure where i'm going to go with this is the idea of masterminds because uh i know that um, people like jay thorns has brought out a book on masterminds which i'm reading at the minute um and i've played around a little bit with sort of mini masterminds but i really want to get to a point where potentially I, I don't know if i'm already in one with people because not necessarily like the formalized idea of a mastermind but having a group of people who are at the same level that you are that you can bounce ideas off of um obviously it helps if you do have almost like a mental relationship with some people where you can mm. keep pushing yourself up and, and following someone's footsteps is helpful um but i like the idea of that format and, and finding a way to improve yourself by helping other people around you also trying to lift themselves as well i like i like that model a lot Mm -hmm. um i i love all of that and that's really interesting about the mastermind we'll pick your brains about that afterwards um <laughs> uh, the one thing i would say is that uh for people listening don't immediately panic and think you should be looking outside of the industry i definitely think when you are beginning in in, in an industry yeah, yeah. you really do have to go deep 
on the learning inside your industry. I think it's only once you feel like you're starting to plateau that you need to start looking outside the industry for uh, knowledge and inspiration. Yeah, I think just keep your ear to your ground. Like you say, there's there's different stages where you'll find that you'll be great. You'll gravitate towards certain things more. Mm. Um, and even just by listening to podcasts like The Creative Pen, when I first when I first started um, writing, I was listening to a lot of the self publishing podcasts as well. And that has news and different things from other areas that you you start to pick up, but you almost blind out a little bit because you're focusing on the writing stuff. But yeah, there that are definitely uh, the self publishing podcast was the Johnny Sean and Dave. Oh, I used to love that podcast. I was gutted when that ended. They've changed Wait, it's it. Rebranded, yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't. When it because it paused just briefly, didn't it? Mm-hmm. And that was enough to kick the habit. And then I never yeah. went back. I will go and have a look. Actually, I didn't realise they uh, they were still going. Yeah, I believe so. I think yeah, they've still got some stuff up up and going. Um, but yeah, do you have any more things that you want to address before I throw one final question at you and wave people goodbye? No, I, no, go for it. Throw me the question. Okay, so one last question from me. If you could hand a copy of The Anatomy of Prose to yourself when you first started writing, <laughs> what would you say to yourself? And is there a particular section that you wish you'd known more about sooner? Oh, um, I think this is such a good question. So... The anatomy of prose feels like everything that I have learned in the last decade of writing. Um, so if I if I were to hand it to myself, it would be a shortcut. And you know, if you go away and implement all of these things, it will. So interestingly, um, and I hope he doesn't mind me telling everybody what he said, but um, a reader of mine uh, said to me that. After this was an advanced reader, after he read it, he felt like he'd been given a developmental edit. And that is exactly what my intention was behind it. So I think I would say to myself, read this, go away and digest it, read it again. And then if you implement even half of these things, it will improve your writing so radically that you will be able to shortcut half of the learning that I had to do over the last 10 years, basically. Um, yeah, so so I think, in, and in terms of the section, the section that means the most to me is probably not the section that's the most helpful for everybody but for me I when I started writing I was shite at description and it took me a really long time to learn how to describe properly and now description is my favorite and so that section to me is my favorite and the one that I would say to younger Sasha you know this will really help you uh, go through all those growing pains of learning how to describe and describe well but for everybody else I would just say look at it that you are getting an extremely expensive developmental edit for the price of a book um so yeah that is what I would say (laughs) yeah and I will qualify as well that I have uh, read an advanced copy and I agree with all those sentiments as someone who isn't trying to sell the book (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's a lot in there there's a lot of uh, meat and potatoes in terms of the writing and a lot of things that I remember getting back from my first sort of thorough edits and being like, what the hell are you talking about? And it's stuff that becomes the fundamental basis of writing good stories. So definitely check it out. And with that, I guess there's nothing else left to say other than thank you everyone for indulging me as a guest host on your favorite podcast. 
Thank you, Sasha, for giving me the honor to become you for a few short minutes of my life. And if you haven't grabbed your copy of The Anatomy of Prose, 12 Steps to Sensational Sentences, head on over to any of your favorite digital bookstores and pre-order now. Thank you very much, Sasha. Thank you. Thank you for taking over. Don't forget to tune in and subscribe on your podcatcher. And when you have a moment, please leave a review. Oh, 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 oh,